Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What happened in El Paso and what happened in Dayton, Ohio, and this isn't about protecting Donald Trump. I'm getting some emails from people saying, why is Donald Trump being attacked? The issue here is to determine how to stop what's going on. And if you're the president of the United States, you have a responsibility to lead. You have the opportunity to lead in a manner nobody else has because you're the top official in the country. Now, when it comes to the issue of hate and mass murder in the U.S., and there's hatred in this country as well, uh, I've been hearing more people talk to me recently about hate groups and proponents of racial and religious violence gathering on social media. I haven't seen any of those sites. But what are they? And what happens on those sites? And do they have the uh, the influence, the potential, to radicalize particularly young men? David Fraser is with us, one of Canada's leading internet and privacy lawyers from McKinnis Cooper in Halifax. He's the author of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog. David, uh, thank you again for coming on. And I keep, I'm saying the same thing to you that I've been saying to other guests. We seem to be talking at times when there's upheaval, when there's great concern, when a tragic event has taken place. So there's much pointing at the internet today following the mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton in the past 24 hours. Accusations, social media is providing out-of-control online opportunities for on-the-edge young men, white young men, to push each other to commit outrageous and or murderous acts. In fact, to radicalize each other. Fair criticism? Uh, I, I think so. Certainly a whole lot of the discussion that leads to radicalization or a whole lot of the activity that seems to be leading to radicalization on the right at the moment is happening on, on the Internet. It's not to say that all of the Internet is bad or that uh, I, I tend to think it's actually pretty neutral, but any time you have an opportunity for people to congregate with like interests, they're going to talk about those interests. And one thing that I've seen relatively consistently about the, the Internet particularly the more focused the community is, uh, you tend to get uh, people who, I'm not sure if it's kind of one-upmanship or or it seems to, it simply turns into a bit of an echo chamber and and amplifies itself and amplifies itself. And when it comes to things like radical politics, um, it kind of, it seems to just kind of, the community eggs itself on. And I think that's probably part of the issue. But we certainly saw uh, this isn't completely brand new. We saw in the 1980s uh, concerns about particularly uh, white supremacists and, and racists who were using telephone chat rooms. I, I don't even recall the exact term for them, but where you you could call in and you could talk on a group group chat to people who are, who are like-minded. And you sometimes hear about phone numbers being posted in phone books, kind of soliciting people for these sorts of things. Uh, but I think what the Internet does is it takes it all entirely to a new level. It provides places where like-minded people can congregate, can talk, uh, and if they're inclined to whip themselves up into a frenzy, uh, they will do that. And I think one relatively good thing, if it's maybe it's the only kind of silver lining, is that these places are still 
kind of accessible to people who want to keep track of this sort of extremism. They're they're not closed communities necessarily. They're places where people can join and people can watch and people can see what is going on. And I think also when it comes to investigating these sorts of things, there's a whole lot of kind of exaggerated rhetoric about people talking about plans of things that they intend to do, but they never do. So it's hard to pick out exactly kind of when somebody says they're going to do something, if they are in fact somebody who's about to do something, leading, I guess, to an ability to prevent uh, these sorts of things happening case by case. Is there any sense of whether these sites or these, uh, um, I don't know what you call them, you're right, it used to be chat groups. Um, is there any sense that they're growing significantly in numbers, at least as far as participation is concerned? I think that's probably the case. I think that there, there's probably a fair amount of recruiting that takes place on the more mainstream sorts of platforms. You certainly are seeing a whole lot more uh, kind of extreme speech in places like Twitter. Um, and probably when people find like-minded people, they get invited over to these other communities that are perhaps a little bit harder to find. Google just announced uh, that one of the main sites are actually going to de-index it. They're not going to include it in their, in their search results because of the, uh, the problematic content that appears there. But also some of these sites, they're not just set up for this sort of white supremacist extremism or, or alt-right recruiting. Uh, many of these sites have been associated with other things related to misogyny, related to child pornography, related to a whole bunch of, of mischief. Um, and they're very hard to police. Um, one of the things that, that's, in fact, just part of the reality, if they're based in the United States, there's a law called the Communications Decency Act, which provides platforms with immunity from liability for things that, that users do on their, on their platforms. And, and I know that there's a discussion taking place right now as to whether or not that actually needs to be, needs to be scaled back. And I've seen a fair amount of discussion even today on Twitter uh, about uh, potential consequences for the individuals who actually own these platforms or operate these platforms, even if they're not actively involved in the conversation, simply for, for hosting them and perhaps making a welcome community for this, uh, this sort of extreme discussion. In, uh, in the about a minute we have left, what are some of the options to bring this under control, at least online? I'm not sure that there are any, any easy ones, because you always end up in a situation where we're talking about expression. A whole lot of it may be vile and repugnant to, to most of us, but we're still talking about expression, and it's difficult uh, in our environment uh, where we have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms or where we have the First Amendment in the United States uh, to draw a line and say that this, this is illegal and this will not stand or there will be criminal consequences or other consequences, and that which is just kind of people talking about their sincerely held beliefs. And certainly at, at the extremes, they're very easy to identify, uh, at least for me, but when you get into the gray areas, it, it's difficult to, to come down with the line. It would be very difficult to, to come up with a law, for example, that would um, kind of shut down the stuff that needs to be shut down but still allow vibrant political discourse to take place. Okay. I think one thing that's very important that we have not seen is that we have not seen the politicians on the right stand out and condemn this and, and call it for, for what it is. Um, that at least the sort of violence that we're talking about, which is associated with white nationalism, um, are individuals who support a certain political party, even in Canada, or support a certain politician in the United States. Okay, and I, I have to that, I have to stop there because the computer will stop us if I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's always good talking to you, David. Thank you so much for the time. Anytime. You take care, Roy. Bye-bye. David Fraser, um, Internet privacy lawyer, privacy lawyer, and uh, anything that has to do with, with national privacy in this country and, and uh, online particularly. We're back in a minute. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.